That didn't last very long, the good vibes in the city around the Toronto Maple Leafs. People are sour today, and I don't blame a single one of you. A week ago, basically. People are in the streets having a good time, having fun, thinking that the ghosts are gone, that there is no curse, that it's not their fault. This was literally... This was goodwill hunting. This was it. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And Leaf fans crying, finally accepting that it wasn't. And then two weeks, or sorry, not even two weeks go by. And we're back here. We're back here into existential crisis mode. We're back here where we always were. Time is a flat circle. The stars didn't show up. The coach got out coached. And people are going to be at each other's throats for probably the next few months about what to do next as the Toronto Maple Leafs are down 3-0 in a series. So, yeah, it's not over yet, I guess. Sure. I, we all got to play this game. It's happened, I think, four times in NHL history where a team has come back from down 3-0. And uh, hard to believe it's going to be this team of all the teams. Hard to believe that out of all the teams that, like, number five is going to be the team that you saw yesterday in Florida. Um, that's just, again, it's the worst possible loss their first three-game losing streak since October 30th. And a game where they just, everyone thought they were going to show up and eviscerate the Florida Panthers or at least have this incredible push from the core that has defined them for, yeah, the last like half decade. So you can go back seven years, but let's talk about it from the Tavares time onward. And I just, could you just not lose in the most embarrassing way? Could you just not be the most embarrassing team? Everyone here, again, so happy with the accomplishment of getting out of the first round because it had been 19 years. I don't think that was overstated or over-celebrated. I'm not even mad at the kids that people are blaming for this that chanted, we want Florida, and are getting embarrassed. Like, those are teenagers that were having a good time. And in a normal fan base, it's like a blip of an embarrassing moment. Now, again, existential crisis where people are fan-blaming each other and going, this is all happening because of where I sat on the couch. It's happening because the four core players on this team are not good enough. And I want to play a clip from their leader, Austin Matthews, from yesterday's postgame. And I know how some of you are going to react to this, but roll it. Oh, I don't think it's something you really think about. Obviously, every night you're trying to produce and trying to score and trying to do what's best for the team. Um, you know, sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. But like I said, I mean, you just got to, you know, continue to work, continue to try to get those chances and, and make good on them when you have them. Sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. Are you kidding, man? Are, are you kidding? I, I know what this is. Like, I, I know, I've been around sports for a long time. I have cut a million of those clips. I've been an audio editor here for hours and hours and hours. I've listened to Dion Phaneuf do his, like, long breaths in between. I have heard a million post-game media conferences. I understand hockey is a sport where guys don't really want to say stuff. How about your Hart Trophy winner? Someone that people have called one of the greatest players in the game. Some people have said is the best player in the game. In a world that Connor McDavid exists, you won a heart trophy. You scored 60 goals and people have gone, well, what is the gap exactly between you and McDavid? Oh, well, you can't compare him to Leon Dreisaitl because, well, Austin Matthews is a 200-foot player. 
Austin Matthews has been given everything by this city. Everything. He has been celebrated since the second he was drafted. People cried when they won that lottery ball. They went, okay, you know what? You missed out on McDavid, but you got Austin Matthews. Holy crap. This is a guy that you're going to build a franchise around. And he had two shots yesterday, two shots on net. He got caved in while he was on the ice. Shots, scoring chances were 18 for the Florida Panthers to seven for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Austin Matthews on the ice last night. After two days off, after two days off where he could have relaxed, recuperated, hit the cryo, gotten a massage, gotten ready for this game, knowing full well that if Toronto lost this game in Florida, their fan base was going to spin completely out of control and exactly the narrative that was going to be written about these four guys. And that's your post game. You're not pissed. Can you maybe just show a little bit of a mo- Sometimes they go in. How about you shoot the puck more than two times in a must win game? And now you go, now it's must win. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Good to know. Good to know. It's only, yeah, all right. We got it now. How about a little bit of passion? How about a little bit of frustration in yourself? Especially when people are starting to question what your guy's level of investment is in this game, in wanting to be winners. Like, it's unbelievable watching them do this again. Where they show up and it's either a lack of commitment seemingly or a complete choke job, like in the case of Mitch Marner, who was even worse. Shots were 18, or scoring chances were 18 to four when he was on the ice last night. Felt like he turned the puck over just about every single time he touched the puck. Cannot remember a single positive play he made in the game outside of the penalty kill. A nightmare. And so now here we are eulogizing this hockey team before they're dead. The fan base completely apoplectic and no idea where the hell to go from here. After another, another stink job by these guys. I I just, it is beyond frustrating. And again, I don't, I don't blame Leaf fans for however it is that they're feeling today because you definitely got your hopes up. I know I, I believe that these guys were going to do something different. I believed in the theory that they were going to do something better. And listen, all due respect to Florida, they have played well in the series. They played much better in that last game. But you're not going to go out and find people who are going to say that the Florida Panthers are more talented. You're just not. You're not going to go out and find someone that knows this game and says, yeah, no, top to bottom, they're a better hockey team. No, the Florida Panthers, this is the actual best team in the NHL. They're hot. They're playing a good counterpunch style. They're waiting for their opportunities. They're playing kind of fearlessly. But again, for your leadership core to show up in a game like that and to lay that egg, and then for Austin Matthews to shamelessly stand in front of those microphones and say, sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't, as though he has some incredible track record of scoring playoff goals is embarrassing. It really is embarrassing. And and that's the thing, man. That's the thing that I keep coming back to and looking at here is there's just a passivity with these core four players. You know, we've seen it with Morgan Riley where he just gives a crap meter is just he goes to the roof. And I actually thought Riley played pretty well last night considering how many Leafs were really, really bad. I think Marner cares, but it's actually just too much for him. I, I really do. I think that the playoffs, you know, we've got now... Hold on. Hold on one second. Let me pull this up because I wrote it down yesterday, kind of looking at it because everyone sort of buried the, oh, Marner in the playoffs. No, that's gone. Marner in the playoff stuff is over now. Uh, Yeah, his last 34 playoff games. 
He's got how many goals? Four. Yeah. Four, Four goals. goals. You know how many passed the second game in the series? This was from a guy named Joey Ferg. And I, I looked it up. It's a good tweet. He's got zero. Zero past the second game in a series. Completely disappears. Completely disappears. And now we've seen it where Matthews and Marner, it just, the same thing keeps happening over and over again. One guy seems to grip the stick too tight. The other guy seems to kind of go into checkout mode. This is not do or die for him, as he so says. It's pretty clear at this point that it's not. I think that he'll be just fine in Arizona in a week with his purple shorts on, his flip-flops, cruising around town, hitting the golf course, and asking Justin Bieber what UFC event they're going to go to. Like, do you think that he's going to, how, how much is it going to hang on him? How quickly do you think he's going to move off of this? You think that he is really feeling this the way that Conor McDavid felt it last offseason when he got knocked out? Like, does anyone believe that anymore? And, and yeah, I'm sorry. I, I said this last night on Leafs Talk, but it, this game has some will. It isn't just skill. And, and like you see this across sports all the time. You have to be invested. You have to be able to push past your opponent. You have to outwill them. Yeah, the Leafs are more skilled than the Florida Panthers. The, this, the Thanos like, where has that gotten you? Back to me. Like not caring. Unbelievable that they would do this again to this city and to this fan base. And yeah, I, I don't know what else you're supposed to say. Because clearly these guys are some of the most talented hockey players on earth. Clearly Kyle Dubas from a standpoint of, hey, are you skilled enough? Has made the right gambit with these guys. But at this point, it's pretty clear that barring some type of a miracle, the core four era is done. And we are headed towards an offseason of whew, some pretty big changes. James Myrtle, Senior Managing Editor at The Athletic. Good morning. And we're back. Yeah. We're back, J.D. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. A, a week later. Literally, it was just a week. It was a week of being like, eh, maybe. And then they're talking about how they're not panicking, right? Down one, down two. And now they're down three. And yeah, did you hear that Austin Matthews quote last night? Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, I'm not expecting a lot in game four. So um, kind of reminds me once they lost game six against Montreal. I was like, well, is that, do they really need to play game seven? Because I think, I think I know what we're going to see. Uh-huh. Even if you see something different, right? Like, even if you see them win a game and then basically be like, everybody counted us out, we got another. It just, no. Well, you know what? If they, let's say they win two games. All of a sudden, it's game six, and so it's getting tight again. And, sure. you know, we, we know what's going to happen. So. Yeah, except for here's the thing, man. Um, I, I just don't, like, you watch a lot of hockey. You've seen a lot of this sport. There has never been a team like this. Like, I cannot remember, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but tell me about a team that had four players that has this many kicks at the can in big moments that has showed up this way. Like, I can't think of anybody. Like, people would compare them to Washington. Washington had way better playoff moments than this, and they were losing to Sidney Crosby in his prime mm -hmm. and going out deep in playoff series. I don't remember this 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 is a completely unprecedented core i actually yeah. think that they're going to kind of go down as the face of loserdom in nhl history like i don't think well, that that's a far field remember washington too they would dominate a playoff series and just get goalied by like yaroslav halak yes. it was just like a, it was like a complete fluke that they lost the series because they had like 70 shots on goal in key games and like it was it was almost just like a hockey gods thing or something like it wasn't 
you know, that's not what happened here. I think if, if that's what happened in game three, where the Leafs just completely mopped the floor with Florida and somehow it didn't go their way, the conversation would be different today. It would. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you look, I just, I like, you watch the New Jersey Carolina game and you look at what the Devils did. They're down 2-0. They had to win that game. Jack Hughes comes out, puts up a four-point performance. They put eight past Carolina. All of a sudden, that series is completely different. That's what, I mean, the Leafs can say whatever they want about game one and game two. You know, we're, we're going to, we played well, we're going to get it back. But if you don't do it in game three, in fact, if you play your worst game of the series in game three, that just, that tells you something about your team. And it's, and it's not good. Yeah, but okay. So this is why I'm interpreting it so harshly about the core four guys and the passivity, because I actually usually hate it when talking heads talk uh, like the way that I am today with the whole, uh, they don't care. Obviously, these guys are in the gym basically year-round. They're working on their skills. You don't get to where any of them have gotten to if you just, like, flat-out don't care, right? But I do think that there is an attitude that is pervasive among this Leafs team where they're almost annoyed that people want them to try all the time. They're almost annoyed that their regular season accomplishments are dismissed the way that they are by a large portion of the fan base and the people that talk about them. And, yeah, there is a an element of this that I just look at their top two guys and say – and I'm excluding even Tavares from this because I think it's pretty clear with him that he's just, he's not the same player anymore. He's just, uh, he's not fully washed up. He's capable of getting regular season points. And I mean, they, they put him 15 minutes yeah. in regulation in that game. That, that's what I mean. 15 minutes. He's, the guy makes $11 million. No, it's a huge, like, it's a huge problem. It's a huge issue. I thought Nylander was actually skating, but again, he disappears for large stretches of time. And if you're going to say, look at the way that he dominated game three, he clearly did not show up in game two, or sorry, it, it, the way he dominated the third period of game two. He didn't show up like that for game three. Like he just didn't. So whatever, if you want to give him a pass because he had a pretty assist and he skated better than some of those guys, fine. Like whatever, go ahead, do the thing. But Matthews and Marner, just to me in these tight moments and these big moments, it's becoming pretty clear to me that one guy grips the stick too tight in Marner. He just chokes and he's not able to create the same space that he does in the regular season. And the other guy kind of checks out a little bit and just re- doesn't have the, this is my everything moment. He's ready to just be like, yep, I got other things and we can roll it over next year. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. Like, how are you interpreting the core force performance in that game? Oh, no, I think you're, I mean, you, you mentioned the stat with Martyr and the goals. I mean, can you even think of a single opportunity where he was close to scoring a goal or where he had the puck in the offensive yeah. zone? You're like, oh, something might happen here. Like, I don't think it happened the whole game, did it? No. I can't even think of an example. James, I don't I mean, think he had a positive moment in that game. Like, yeah. there's there's no play where I went, wow, that was actually at least a My good play. My memory's going to be him, like, behind the net with the puck and yeah. not knowing what to do and taking too long. And it's like, but he's a winger. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not like he's setting up for a power play or something. What is he doing behind the net with the puck over and over again and turning it over from there? Like, what what is going on? It was it was really, really bad. It was It was mind-boggling, really. Like... I don't understand how you don't break up Matthews and Marner after you watch that for a period. I guess you just got your both your fingers crossed that somehow they're gonna they're gonna get out of it. Mm. But I mean, we saw this against Tampa, and they finally changed it up, and you know, then the Nylander started looking better, and Tavares had Marner with him, and maybe you get O'Reilly on that. I don't know. I don't. I, it was just bizarre to watch it for a for a full game and overtime. Look at overtime. They they how many they iced the puck what three times in a row. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, I tweeted, I said, maybe one of the icings will go in. Like I mean, It's their signature play. What, what was, what was the game plan? I don't, they just, they, they just played scared. You know, they, they played like, Oh, it's happening again. Mm-hmm. 
I, I hated their body language. I hated the way yeah. that they played. I couldn't believe that there wasn't more drive. And yes, again, with respect to Florida Panthers team that has been playing hard in the series, a, a group like that, that gives up as many chances as they do and is not exactly defined by being a bunch of Norris stalwarts, it should not be holding your star players no. to those scoring attempts. Austin Matthews no. shouldn't be getting two shots. Mitch Marner shouldn't be getting one or two shots. Same with Nylander and Tavares. It's just, it's a completely unacceptable performance. And yeah, I just, I, do you think this is the defining game of this group's era? Because I, I think that there's a pretty good chance, barring again, a miracle that it is. I, I mean, if they get swept, I, I don't see any way that all four guys are back. Let me put it that way. Mm, I, I, you think that they can come bring all four back even if they just no, win a couple uh, of games? Well, I mean, I don't know. It would have to be, like you said, I mean, we're talking miracle territory, yeah. right? You know, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess the, the question is, like, does... Is it is it the core three comes back or the core two or you know like I mean it's and, and we don't even know who's going to be making those decisions we don't know who's going to be coaching the result of those decisions and and all like you know it's funny we got the two days off to 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 pick through all of this and wait for it to finally end and but it's going to be a long off season in Toronto yeah basically basically everything is on the table I think I mean like I, I can't think of anything that's I mean, what's locked in? Morgan Riley? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And Matthew Nyes. Well, and Tavares you know, because you can't move him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even then, I think like you, I, like I, I think you got to put everything on the table. Yeah, I just don't know how you get him to move. <laughs> you know, like I don't think, I don't think Tavares is going to waive the no move clause, or that another team is going to look at him and go, "Yeah, sure, we'll take him." How much of the eleven million are you going to eat, Toronto? You going to how much of the dead cap are you going to carry over? Half, because then we can talk. Like, I, I thought about that last night. What What is John Tavares if he hits the open market tomorrow? Like, he hits the open market tomorrow. Can he get seven? Could, no, I don't think so. Could he get six and a half? That feels maybe right, right? Somewhere in that range? Six, yeah. six and a half? Uh, like, what do you think? Okay, like, I hate doing this game too, but it's so true. I kept looking through this game. I'm like, what would you pay every single guy on that team last night? Like, I, I'm watching the Kraken right? And they find another way to win with just this team of second and third line guys who are all just trying their ass off and flying around and playing fearlessly and getting some timely saves. Like they're all NHL castoffs. And, and it's so I, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Everyone talks about the NHL as a star driven experience, but I, not. imagine you could win with just depth. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what Seattle is showing. That's what I mean. They don't even have a good goalie. I know. <laughs> you know. That's what's so frustrating watching this as you go. So Toronto seven years into the process of building around these superstars can't find a way to have their two super stud players. Everyone says are, you know, top 10 guys in the NHL can't find a way to even get close to splitting the scoring chances in a must win game. And Seattle's out there beating a team that let's be honest, is just as good as the Florida Panthers. And that to me is where you go, boy, the, the plan here might not have been so good. Maybe the idea of rolling over the skill could have been tough. So you're right. Everything's on the table. But I will say one thing is basically, in my mind, locked up. And, and that is that Kyle Dubas made a huge mistake tying his buddy to this team. That bringing Sheldon Keefe in and saying, hey, 
don't worry, he's my friend, and giving that speech of we think we've got the next Barry Trotz, last offseason's presser, yeah, pretty big mistake here because you're right. He made the exact same mistakes he's always made, which is sticking with something too long, not making adjustments, and then kind of sitting at a podium after it's all done and being asked the questions and sort of saying, yeah, I think the guys try hard. Yeah, I, I've made this point before on the show, but you know, one of the, I think, fair criticisms of Kyle Dubas and where some of the mistakes have been made is, is kind of the loyalty, mm-hmm. you know, and when he made the move from the Marlies to, to the Leafs, a lot of the players came with him and some of those guys he was too loyal to. I mean, you look at the contracts that Andreas Janssen and Kasperi Kapanen and, you know, these players got and they, they hadn't earned them. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it was, you know, he had the relationship with them. So, I mean, I, I in in saying you know the the core four is not going to be back, I I I find like what's the path for Sheldon Keefe here? It's none. It it doesn't feel like there is one right now. Yeah, no. and I didn't think we would be here after getting past Tampa. I mean, this was probably the only scenario, like just like a complete face plant in round two, with the same issues surfacing. That was the path for Keefe not coming back. I it's. It's been. And you change the GM too. Like we don't even know if the GMs. Like if it's a different GM, they're not going to be like, "Oh yeah, Sheldon keeps my guy." I like. I can't. I was actually wondering what Sheldon Keith's future is in the NHL beyond this. Like, because he'll get it's, a chance. I mean, okay. look at his record. Sure, JD. Like, <laughs> I I know. I do look at his record. That's fine. His record is fine. I just do not. I cannot imagine. His record's like one of the best records of any coach yep. in league history. Yep. <laughs> and he has been outcoached in every single playoff series that he's ever been in. And and I'm like, if you detach him from Kyle Dubas, if you're Kyle Dubas, let's say you take a job somewhere else, right? Let's just like fantasize that he takes a job as the Pittsburgh Penguins general manager. He decides to leave Toronto. He takes that job. He can't hire Keith right away. He can't do that. He can't do that move, walk down the street and go, hey, Penguins fans, don't worry. We're just recreating the exact same band that we did before. He's got to show at least some difference in the, his first job where he goes. What's Sheldon Keith's relationships like around the league? You know, like, I don't think that this is someone who is just like extremely highly regarded by a bunch of different front offices that are chomping at the bit to get him in here. Also, look at how competitive it's going to be for coaches right now. Like, look at the guys that have every one of the Jack Adams Award nominees from a year ago was, was out of a job. <laughs> like they were all fired a year ago. So it just the turnover happens quick. It happens fast. And I will say that there were just some things in that game, man. Whether it was how scrambled the lines felt, and I know that they had an injury to Nyes, but a 22-year-old rookie that just came straight from college. Losing him should not drastically impact your team to the degree that it did. They, they never felt stable all night long. They continuously went to Matthews Marner, even though it was just not working and they were getting caved in the entire night. He doesn't get Matthews um, on the ice in the third after the penalty kill starts for three minutes. It's just there were so many mistakes in that game. I, I just... I think his legacy is also stamped and sealed with these other guys that that will actually be the, one of the biggest questions for me with this group is what would have happened if they had better coaching? I think when you look back on it, you'll always blame the players first. They make great coaches, but I I really think that that's going to be a fair reflection to have for a lot of people. Yeah. Like what would have happened if they had Barry Trotz this year? Well, his Keith's record in the playoffs now is I think 12 wins, 16 losses, 16 losses. Yeah. And, soon 17 so um 
it's hard to, I mean, he got four chances in the playoffs and we know how quickly coaches get cycled through in this league. You're not going to get five. So I do think he will get another job somewhere. Like, I think you're underestimating, like if you're a team that's in the basement or whatever, and yeah. you have a mean and a mid season guy and you look at the record and, and the other thing too, is that lots of times coaches figure it out on their second or third go. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, there, there have been coaches that have had much, much, much worse first experiences in the NHL that have had another job. Mm-hmm. He's a young guy too. I mean, he's, you know, I think that there's a lot ahead for him, but with this particular group, you know, you talk to other coaches around the league and yeah, they do respect Jelvin Keefe and whatever, but you know, the criticism is that you have to coach to the group you have and his group hasn't delivered. So that you wear that. Mm-hmm. You're probably right. And now, even as you said it, I went, yeah, you're telling me that like a Ducks team at some point isn't going to go. Yeah. The of course they are. I mean, look at some of the hires that have been made. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, you know, look how many chances, like, I can't even remember, like, how many times has Rick Tockett gotten a shot? Like, you know, in Vancouver, sees him as the guy? Like, it's it's going to happen. Yeah. So, 13 giveaways. Your stars caved in 18-7, to seven, again, scoring chances when Matthews was on the ice against. Uh, Marner was even worse, 18-4. to four. Like, what did you see? I saw... When well, I mean, we talked about Marner behind the net and all that. I mean, the I, what I saw was a Florida team that was right from the beginning of that game was really impressive. You know, it would be human nature to let up a little bit. Normally, what happens in a situation where a team's down two games and it's game three is just the team that's down two games just will not take no for an answer. Like they will do whatever they can to win the game, and the other team's like, yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. And the series goes to two one. That that's what happens like ninety percent of the time in the NHL. And in the first period, watching the first period, it's like, wow, like Florida, Florida has this. Like they, they look as good as they have all series. And they were so committed. It's almost like, it was almost like they could smell the fear or something. Like they were just, <clears throat> there was that one play um, after the whistle and, and it was bunting and, and Nick Cousins. And you just look at the look on, on Nick Cousins' face and it's like, man, like, they're in this to win this. Like they don't care that they're up two games. They're not going to back down. Mm-hmm. And and I felt like early in that game, it was like that's when I felt like the Leafs were in trouble because the Panthers were going to put absolutely everything at them, and Toronto was going to have to be a lot better than they were playing, and they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it too, JD, like you watch tactically what they were doing, like it just felt like they're in the offensive zone. They've got the puck. There's a lane to shoot and they're just like, let's make a pass or let's try something. Like it was almost like regular season mentality is what it felt like. And what Florida's doing so well is they're packing their big defensemen in front of the net. There's no rebounds. There's no big battles in front of the net. Some of the goals they got in Tampa, they're not getting here because they're not getting tips and they're not getting into the, the dirty areas in front of the net. And Florida's done a really good job. I think they, I'm sure they watched the film of the first round and said, "We're not letting them do that. We're not letting them set up in front of the net." And it's a, it's a ton of one and duns, and mm-hmm. that's how you end up with scoring chances. Eighteen to four is you you get one missed shot at the other end, and the other team comes back and cycles on you, and you're in trouble. And the other thing too is that we haven't talked about it a lot because we're focusing on the core four, which makes sense. But the Brody McCabe pairing is getting completely dominated. Mm-hmm. I think I texted you this stat last night. Night McCabe is minus seven in the series mm-hmm. in three games. Florida has just completely worked the Leafs' top pair. 
Yeah, um, it's pretty clear that those guys have had a real tough time in transition. And even if you look at the overtime winner, it's a lot of Brody there. You know, yeah. it, it's just, and I, I'm trying to balance it with maybe he's hurt because he hasn't looked himself to me all playoffs. No. no. And then you compound that with him playing. How many minutes did he finish with last night? 26? Over yeah. 26? He's it, playing too much, right? Yeah, like exactly. It, he didn't do that. He hasn't done that the whole time in Toronto. He's never yeah. had to play this many minutes. And then all of a sudden you get into the playoffs and it's, you know, and especially with Riley playing well, I don't know why Riley isn't getting the most minutes on the back end. Well, I think it's a partnership issue is that yeah. they, yeah. they know they can't like, I, I was texting with somebody about this last night because they were hammering me about Hall's minutes as usual. Right. And I, I actually didn't think Hall was Hall played good. Yeah, exactly. I thought, I thought the same. I was having an argument with the person, but I will say that Hall makes the biggest mistake of the game, which is kind of his defining thing. Right. right? Like right. on the, on the penalty kill, which is supposed to be the reason he's in there. Like that's the number one point of defense for Justin Hall's game is, Hey, he kills plays and he's solid on the penalty kill. And then McCabe was the other guy out there too, right? Like you're talking about when they splits the D like, uh, to me, that looked more like McCabe, but yeah, fair enough. Yeah. He was out there for that. I've asked a bunch of people about the play and the general consensus is that, yeah, the, the D together should have been making that play, but that ultimately it is Hall's guy. And yeah, they're just kind of asleep at the wheel there. And their backup, backup goaltender gets lit for one of the nicest breakaway goals of the postseason so far. But yeah, they, they clearly, they've just hit the playoffs and Mark Giordano putting one foot into retirement essentially really hurt them because he's been an integral guy for them all season long in a, in a yeah. large, in a variety of different ways. Right. And I even thought about just the stabilizing effect of certain guys that they try to transplant into this group. And it's just the the stabilizers are older and slower. Even Ryan O'Reilly, bless his heart, as hard as he's trying out there and working out he's there. He's got to be hurt. Yeah, he's, he's got to be. Like, he looks way slower it, than at the end of the regular season. Exactly, man. He's not moving well. You don't feel like no. Ryan O'Reilly can take over a game. You I don't, mean, he's leaving everything out there. Exactly. But you watch it, and it's like, well, he, everything is not... I mean, like we were talking about during the regular season, like, you got to bring this guy back, and what's the contract look like? And still think you do. Three or four years, and... Yeah, I mean, I still like him, but I no. wonder if he broke the foot there when he took that one sh- that one puck off the foot because he just he's not moving properly. Well, Luke Fox was on here last week saying that he's got a pretty significant limp in the dressing room. So yeah, whatever that's be. worth, it's gotta be. Yeah. He's got like a broken big toe or something. He's yeah. not moving well, and I honestly think that's the only case against re-signing him is well, one whether or not he's going to want to be here because a lot of people still believe that he's going right back to St. Louis and taking the C. Well, I think it's one or the other. Frame. Yeah, 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 and that he's going to end up walking back, slap the C back on, take the big, you know, legacy contract, and then finish his career there, or that Toronto is actually going to have to pay him. Like, there's the idea that he's taking a discount to stay in Ontario is nuts. <laughs> so everybody can sort of get rid of that thing. Like, he's not forward Giordano or whatever people have been or new Spezza, as some people no, thought. He's 32 years old. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I yeah. would say that if you're a Leafs uh, personnel member and you're looking at this, you're saying, okay, what was the injury accumulation of the last year? This is two feet injuries. This is two finger injuries, you know, slowing down a little bit. Do you trust that you can keep him healthy even with just some focus on load management with the player like that. But yeah, you're right. He just, the, the stabilizing guys, uh, the point I was making there is just, they, they can't really do much in the biggest moments of the game. Like unless the puck is within Riley O'Reilly's like direct sphere, like the where he can reach the puck, then it's going to be hard for him to make a play. As soon as the puck is broken out, you see the slow, as soon as they start to get hemmed in, you see how hard it is for him to get across to the point where I was even thinking, and he's a great penalty killer. He's a, you know, selkie type player. It just, Watching him on the PK, even sometimes I go, oof, should he be out here? Like, is this, 
a mistake yeah. having him try to cover the point. He was one of their best players last night. He was. Like he was. That line was good. He was. That's what's so frustrating is I really do think yeah. that the Leafs got good performances throughout their lineup. Their backup, backup goaltender was solid in net. He didn't look scared. Their blue line was mostly solid. They made a couple of mistakes, and yeah, Brody wasn't perfect, and same with McCabe. Hall makes a big mistake in the game, but ultimately, you don't point to this one and say, wow, the blue line was just a disaster. They couldn't make a pass, blah, 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 blah. Their secondary players all showed up. Ryan O'Reilly played hard. Achari played hard. Lafferty and Camp were their best two players in the game. They even got something from Gustafson, right? Yeah. Look at the goal that Lafferty, like it was a beautiful goal. You know, like you got to win if your fourth line steps up like that. Well, and how do you not as the head coach too start to run those guys up your lineup a little bit to see if they can spark some of your other guys? This is, again, what's so frustrating about Keefe and just the, the lack of adjustments throughout the game is Sam Lafferty's going that way. Camp is going that way. Try them with the other players. You've got 11 and 7. How is this not becoming a, a more frequent combination in the game? Go with the guys who have it. Start to limit the guys that don't. And yeah, it's just you're in trouble when you're saying you got to play camp with Austin Matthews to get him going. Well, like, you know. man, I, I, you're, you're in trouble, but at least try it. Like this again gets to the same thing that's happened before and over and over and over again with Keith in these moments. Like everyone knew in the Montreal series that those two guys weren't working together and that they were choking and that it was just not fitting and they were getting a couple of chances a game, sure, but they weren't finishing. And they just rolled it out there, rolled it out there, rolled it out there. Columbus, same thing. That loaded up top line wasn't scoring, wasn't finishing. And they keep playing the we got chances game and go, okay. And that's why I think it's so funny that Matthews delivered that quote of sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. I'm like, man, uh, they don't seem to go in for you guys a lot in these big moments. must have been talking about that one off the post in the yeah. first minute or Great. whatever. Yeah, his best yeah. opportunity comes in the first minute of the game, and then he basically has disappeared for the entire rest of it. Anyway, yeah, I... <laughs> I keep feeling like I'm in complete disbelief when this happens or whenever I kind of finish these rants, but boy, oh boy, it's just like, there's zero excuse. I, I don't know how, I don't know how somebody could sit down across from me right now and go, well, here's the thing. It just, no, it's, it's not that. No, the I didn't hear a lot of that last night. Like normally there's always the, the beliefers yeah. that, that, that just can't be shaken. And I didn't see any of that last night. I think they were just, you know, I think everyone was resigned to the fact that, they got what they deserved and what they deserved was what we've seen before. Mm-hmm. God, the one good thing at least is wool, right? He looked pretty decent. He's going to be good. I know. Gonna, I, I mean, think there's something great there. season. Like he was fantastic in the AHL. He's got uh-huh. the pedigree. He's got, he's a super, super confident guy too. And like, he, he's not young. Like he's been through the college system and, at very least I'm pretty convinced he's an NHL backup. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you got something there. You know, you, I mean, look at how nice has looked in the playoffs. I mean, there's, if we want, if we want to start picking out positives. There's a few of them, and yeah, but woof. Like, yeah, you're building around Matthew Nyes and one of the core four Tavares. Probably you can't get off him. I, I, man, it's just the well, worst too because the the hottest of takes you can't dismiss them out of hand because I really did think yesterday. I'm going. This was really the scenario and, and listening to the Matthews post game where he's just seems so done with this, like answering these questions. I, I went, I, it doesn't feel that far afield that he actually requested trade this off season. Well, well, I mean, I think if you're a Leafs fan, the, the concern is, does he want to be part of this? That's what I mean. Does, does, does Dubas so. want to come back? Uh. Does, does, does Matthews want to come back? I mean, Matthews might be like, I, I gave seven years of my life. And it just feels like this. This just isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. I don't think he. I don't think he's come into this playoffs thinking that. No. But he certainly could come out of it and be like, 
I, I did my best, but maybe, I don't know, maybe there is a curse here or something. I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, it's just... I you can't know. imagine being Dubas and not wanting to be back. Just be, uh, and just the way that he seems to be driven, and the idea that your legacy in the the biggest hockey market on planet Earth, and like we see that over and over again, right? Like it's and it's not lost on me that yeah, they're you know I said this a couple of days ago, but they're going to get beat by a team that only exists because of how much money they make, right? Like <laughs> it's that's tough. I just can't imagine Dubas looking at this and saying, yeah, I'd rather be the general manager of, uh, the, you know, a less well, consequential team. It seems like he likes the spotlight of this. He doesn't seem yeah. to be overly afraid of it. And yeah, the challenge of him trying to reconfigure this team now after doing the rollover, rollover, rollover with the, the stars, I, I would have to at least believe that it's an interesting one for him. And again, for a guy that really loves Theo Epstein so much, that has cited him multiple times, you're not getting the Theo Epstein treatment, you know? You're not getting the Theo Epstein legacy if you go win another cup in Pittsburgh. Sorry, it's not happening. I'm not saying for sure he's gone. I'm just saying there's, he's probably going to have options. And oh, if, you're definitely. The Leafs, if you're the Leafs, you're going to have to commit a lot of term, a lot of dollars, and give him a ton more autonomy, I think, than he has right now. I yeah. think that... So there's a lot of like, yeah. there's a lot of things that have to happen. You know, I saw some people saying like, oh, you know, give him another two years or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> you know, if, if you've got, you know, let's say Pittsburgh and, and maybe one other team that are interested, it's going to be, you're going to have to commit big time, you know? Mm. So yeah, I think it's turnover. You you're, I... not, you're not, you're not like one foot in with Dubas. Like you're, you have to be all in that he's the guy for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't think that you can commit to that. I just, I don't, I don't see how that happens. I actually do think that there is a case and there's a conversation that should be had. But to me, ultimately, what this is, what this should come down to is what it feels like right now, which is that you can't ignore the accumulation of scars anymore, right? Like this has just become a, a really toxic relationship. You know, you might still have love for somebody, but it does get to that point sometimes with with another person where you go, man, every fight we have, all these things come up from the past, right? Or if you do something, it triggers this, and I think that's where you're at well, I, if you're the Toronto I think that's where police. the core four guys are, right? That's what I mean, like I, yeah. I mean, probably all of them yeah. at this point. They're probably just can't believe yeah. where they're at right now. Yeah. Yes, of course. That's what I mean. Like, they, they get out of the first round, and that's you getting back together, right? That's you going, hey, I forgive you, and let's never bring this up again. Let's never... We both forgive each other, right? We're not going to fight over the same thing that we used to fight about. It's this like a personal yep. experience this, analogy. I, we're, we're this, going down here. Is this not? <laughs> tell me if uh, you, uh, a person hasn't been in that scenario in a relationship before. You go, yep, I forgive you. Let's move on. Of course, it's personal. Everything in my show is personal. It's called the JD Bunkers podcast, right? Like you think that this is about somebody else? Get back together. You say you're not going to fight about the same thing, and then the first time that you have to do it and prove it, the first couple of drinks you have and some f old fight shows back up. And you go, oh, wait, nothing's changed. Cool, right. We're in the same thing. And that's the Leafs. They're just a broken relationship. It's done. It's time for everybody to break up. It's time to move on. It's time to try to meet I mean, new people. And that's them. Maybe maybe Dubas feels that way. I mean, I, yeah, I think they all should. I, Dude, this is the thing. I think they're at the point right now where the scorched earth is how it's just how far does it extend, right? Like how far do you take this well, thing? I think you want to, you, you like, they're not, they're not going back to rebuild here. No, like, no, no, you're, you're going to try and do a, you're going to try and do a U-turn and do something different yeah. with, 
some of the same pieces. Well, I mean, yeah. it's the NHL in 2023, so I'm not even really sure what how how you could, you know, like you'd have to go pretty deep into the Marlies for them to just not even be a playoff contender at this point. The league's pretty flat, but I, I understand what you're saying. But yeah, I you mentioned it before, like nothing's off the table, and and I do think that there is a thing here where you go, hey, wh- how much of the roster was turned over? I, I think you wrote about this once, right? Like the amount. Oh, I- yeah, it's going to happen again. I mean, they have 10 yeah. UFAs on this team. Yeah. 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 You wrote a good piece yesterday, by the way. I read that. This, I read it this morning and I was like, this is really good. But yeah, that. Well, I have a lot of practice with those, JD. I mean, I've been doing this since 2007. I know. That's the frustrating part, too. Is, 16 years. Yeah. There's just. I've written, like, I mean, I, I, that one was ready to go in like 45 minutes. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, you just had to change some of the names you know, space it out a little differently. They People used to, I mentioned this to the fellows before the show, but like Dan Shaughnessy used to get criticized, especially in the internet era that happened because he was a great Boston columnist. And then people in the internet started to connect the dots when it came around of how he writes a lot of the same columns, just kind of switches it up by each time of year. Like a lot of the themes are the same. And nobody wants to do that with the Leafs. It's impossible not to. But I did wonder how many of the columns that have been written in the last three, four seasons could you just basically swap out? Like, what is the word count that you need to swap out for it to be an okay column right now, right? Like, how many names and how many words do you have to change? I remember that when they dropped game six against Montreal, I remember that, like, that piece I wrote that night, and the headline was this is the worst collapse of them all yeah. or, you know, something like that. And it's like, well, now this is probably the worst collapse. So now, you know, now you're like weighing which of the really disappointing finishes to the season are the worst, which is kind of a really bizarre way to be a sports writer. It's not, you don't get into the business to like try and evaluate how embarrassing is this performance compared to that one. But that's, that's where we're at. And that's, unfortunately, that's where the fan base. I feel bad for the fan base. To oh, be damn, honest. I feel like, sick for them. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I, and I know, I know you're in that in that group from you know seeing on Leafs talk that mm-hmm. it, it wears on you. But you know, I, I'm fortunate to be a, a transplant who's not from Toronto because boy, it's the sure they just they, they're getting kicked when they're down over and over again here. That's it to me. Is okay. So. It's easy to crack on Leaf fans because there's so many. And it is, it must be hilarious as an Oilers fan. I get it. And those, those guys, they can actually take their rounds because at this point, I also have this stat. Um, at this point, the comparisons between McDavid and Drysaddle and Matthews and Marner, they've been made so many times by people out here, right? People out here go, why can't we just have the conversation? And Matthews, and I've done it too, okay? And Matthews wins the heart last year and you go, wow, maybe he's taking a step and what's the gap between these players? In uh, 45 playoff games a piece for McDavid and Dreisaitl, they've got 70 and 76 points. 26 goals for McDavid, 31 for Dreisaitl. In 48 games played in the playoffs for Matthews and Marner, Matthews has 22 goals, Marner has 9, and they've got 44 and 45 points uh, respectively. So yeah, like it's a pretty sizable gap. Right. And that's where you get into the Toronto hype machine and you get to, you get to wear that stuff on the chin, right? Especially if you're a fan and you're rooting for your players and I I get that stuff, but it is, it's not fun when the one team is just a, such a joke. And I know there's someone sitting here listening to this going, yes, it is. It's so fun. I'm a Habs fan. I think this is my favorite thing I've ever listened to. I get it. I just mean at large for the fan base, for the Toronto Maple Leafs fan base to be this downtrodden and feeling defeated and angry it's not good for the sport, right? 
Like it, it's not good for hockey to have the biggest fan base be completely embarrassed and defeated and not be invested in the product, which is sort of where we're at today, you know? And, and I know Leaf fans will come back because they've just built this into their identity. And to this point, pathetically, it's almost built in where you, you're addicted to the, the sadness, you know, and the doom and gloom of it all and being able to funnel some frustration into this. But I, I know it what this team always means. like this. Like, those no. guys, like I remember, you know, I no, remember no. being in high school and watching those Pat Quinn teams and no, they were dude, so, that's... they were good. Like they were yeah. contenders every year and they really brought it in the playoffs and they would almost perform better in the playoffs than during the regular season. And they were fun to watch. And uh, like, I don't know those teams, like the, the DNA is just not the same with this group. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty clear um, that they, they just, it, I think they won't, I care I've been trying to like walk the line around this of, I think they care. I think they want to win. I, I don't think that they have the same desire as a lot of players around the league and certainly the guys that wore the uniform before them. Anyway, James, we got to run. Um, yeah, obviously I'll be talking to you soon and yeah. Even though we sort of did a postmortem, I'm trying to not do it fully because, yeah, sure. It was part, part one. Part one. Part yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Didn't touch any of the GM stuff really. So I just left a lot of meat on the bone, all right? Uh, so we'll do that probably. Uh, we'll do that next week. Uh, James Myrtle, Senior Managing Editor at The Athletic. Thanks for making time, brother. See ya. All right. Cheers. Uh, quick break. Yeah. I Honestly, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm sorry, Leafs fans. I'm just so sorry that this continues to happen to you. And yeah, that the, you get to be the hockey world's punching bag over and over and over again. Cause that's the thing is how many times does Susie move the football and Charlie Brown fall over where you just stops being funny and you go, okay, now it's kind of cruel. Now it's the, the joke isn't fun. Leafs go on a run, Leafs lose in the third round, you know, or even they get bounced in this series in sort of a tough way. And Leaf fans are trying to convince themselves the team is good and great. Like it's, is it fun if you see another sports fan and you go, your team sucks, and the other person just like, yeah, I, I know, I hate them. Like, that's no good. You go, oh, sorry, actually, I feel bad that I even said that to you. It's gotten deeply personal. What are these fans going to think if the Habs win the Bedard sweepstakes tonight, too? Don't say that. <laughs> As oh, come on, man. That's not today. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Uh, at least I've been on fire in best bets. I hit another one. Apparently it cut out of the podcast. Yes. Last Friday, but I had the Celtics. They covered that one. They mm-hmm. didn't so much the game the other night. I, I love people must read like Celtics again. I was like, Oh, good feeling about this one. So stay away. But either way, I got another best bet. Uh, I think, yeah. Eight of my last 10. So let's keep it rolling. Botano best bet next. Sportsnet 590. The fan. All right. Going to do some podcast stuff, talk about the NBA, get that covered. Uh, maybe a little bit of Blue Jays too. Hot again. Thank you, Blue Jays. Just <laughs> You're saving the something. city. Well, not get crazy. It's a little <laughs> annoying with the Blue Jays right now. You know how bad the Cardinals are? Is oh, anybody so aware of how horrific the Cardinals are? They have the third worst record in the majors. I can't get over how when they played the Jays, I thought, man, that's a baseball team. Now that <laughs> is a baseball team. <laughs> and they've basically won, what, how many games have they won? The St. Louis Cardinals have won 11 games. Yeah, I was going to say, so they won 11 eight and games. 24. Yeah, since they faced the Jays. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely tough. <laughs> Extremely yeah. tough. Yeah. But that, and that's it. Is I, You know what? I watched the Pirates, and I had the opposite feeling where I'm going, these guys are winning games? This is a hot team? They're first in the division. They got yeah. 20 wins. And I, yeah, I think that they'll 
come back down to earth a yeah. little bit there. Uh, all right. So I mentioned it. I'm red hot in the bets. Hit me up in the DMs. I'm going to start posting more bets to Twitter and on Instagram. So follow there at JD Bunkers. But yeah, reach out anytime. And yes, do follow there. Subscribe to the podcast review. Do all that stuff. And yeah, hit me up if you want to try Botano. But I will admit, sometimes you know as a gambler, mm. you go, I know when I've been hot and I know why I've been hot. And it's just, I've felt my, like my bets recently, I've just been, I've been feeling it. Like I'm right. in the zone, I'm cooking. And I, I, I will say that I, I caution this one a little bit, knowing that I, I showed up to the gym today, feeling a little tired, a little groggy. I tried to put the work in. I went and deep dove last night. I sat there, you know, Simon and I were just talking about succession. Mm. I was half watching succession, half thinking about doing this show looking at some bets. Not normally. Normally when I, I just lock into succession, I was not fully there. I was like, eh, was, yeah, uh, I was, I was not in a good space last night. I was up <laughs> thinking about a lot. I don't of think things. anybody in the city was, <laughs> but I was trying to find like a bet that I love. And I couldn't, the, the problem with this Knicks heat series is that the totals are really low, but then they've been getting into rock fights. So yeah. I don't really love any prop overs, but the guys that you want to fade are the guys that are going to get opportunities. Like I was looking at it and thinking, all right, maybe you fade Julius Randall on the road. Like, Bam Adebayo has shockingly been right around his number nonstop for the entire postseason. You're not fading Jimmy Butler, right? Mm-hmm. Do I really want to take a middling guy like a Struess or a Gabe Vincent to be my best bet? Can't do it. Do I really want to play the under 206? Not really. I have some confidence in it, but there's got to be some regression here, right, to the mean? So I'm staying away from that one. I really tried to talk myself into it. The Oilers numbers are not that great. I kind of like, though, Jobo, we were talking about it, Dreisaitl, minus 118. Yep. But I'm just going to go with a plus number. All right? And that's Nestor Cortez, one of the strikeout artists of the game for the New York Yankees, facing an Oakland A's team that is, I want to say, fourth in baseball, fifth in baseball in strikeouts. So Nestor Cortez, over six and a half strikeouts. Lock that one in at plus money. That is your Botano best bet of the day. Let's go over to the podcast portion where we'll discuss some hoops and a Shiba. Five. All right, podcast only portion of the show. Uh, didn't do a lot of these last week because it's just, well, first of all, yeah, last week sucked. Last, <laughs> last week sucked. <laughs> like the Jays were getting railroaded by the Red Sox. The yeah. Leafs were losing games. And I, I, I'm going to start actually with this. I'm kind of sad about Lakers Warriors. How mm. can we get some meaningful crunch time? Yeah, yeah. The first game, Steph had the 14 0 run and made it mm-hmm. kind of cool in the game. And you went, Oh, this is pretty interesting. But there was a lot of lull in it. Yeah. And now we've got two straight games where it's just blowout city. And I'm going, All right. Yeah. I, the first game had like those fake comeback vibes where like at the very end, it was like, Oh, maybe. And then they just. It was a real comeback because they went on a 14 0 run yeah. and the game was right there, was in hand. But we didn't get. Like I, I want to see, I want to see LeBron and Steph go head to head in yes, meaningful yes. minutes down the stretch. Not Three thirty point left. Yes. It's within reach. Yes, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, like multiple possessions where you build this up and go, please. Because yeah. mm-hmm. let's be honest here, the NBA playoffs. I guess Celtics Sixers has been all right, mm-hmm. but even but that's he, been kind of hit or miss too. Well, I would say that. It doesn't feel like two great teams. It feels like just the Celtics blowing it more than it. Yeah. Like, look at the series. It's 2-2. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, okay, Harden gets credit, right? Harden has been good. Mm-hmm. 
But the first game Harden's is, been good in the wins. He's been good yeah, in the yeah. wins. He's been, <laughs> yeah, for very sure. bad in the losses. He's right. been like dash 33. Yes, but he deserves credit for the two wins. He's yes. been incredible. Yes. Oh, right? Yeah. Like they're not even close in that first game if no. not for James Harden playing just, yes. you know, his ass off. Suns the Suns Nuggets series has turned around. This has been a good one. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe that's the one we'll talk about, but Boy, it's weird that in a playoffs where we were like, we really are kind of rooting against the Kangs so that we can get LeBron Steph. Mm-hmm. That I don't know. Not do, doesn't do, do feel you think like Kings Lakers would have provided more juice than what we've gotten so far. No, no, I think the Kings would have ran them off the court. Honestly, I think I like the Kings. The mm-hmm. only thing is, De'Aaron Fox got hurt and it yeah. changed everything. Yeah, yeah that hand. It's and, just, the, and the shooting hand too. It's so weird too with this Lakers uh, Warrior series too, where it's like. Davis's forward Harden, where you go, what are you, <laughs> you, no, what are true. you giving it, us tonight? The sir? game log they, is honestly shocking when you they look at the it. graphic but of his game of log being and it's like just out of points. shape. He's just hurt. Like yeah. there's different paths to being out of shape for those two guys. It's those, those star players who every now and then like five minutes into the game, you'd be like, Oh yeah, doesn't have it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't have it tonight. I could when it's that unbelievable, by the way, Jalen Brown going and helping on Embiid on that play when your team is up two points, and Embiid is in the middle of the paint. Yeah. And at best, he's going to tie the game and you're going to get the final possession. Yeah. That was really tough for my Jalen Brown love. <laughs> I love Jalen Brown. I, I just think he's a winner. I think he's smart. I think he's gutsy. Mm-hmm. I think he's cool too. He's uh, one of those off the court guys who actually backs it up, yeah. right? You want to root for him. Oh, I like him a lot. Yeah. I, I really am a huge Jalen Brown fan, which is shocking because when they picked him out of college, I went, I don't know. This guy yeah, know. is pretty. I watched him at Cal and I never came away from it going, yes, this yeah. has got to be the guy. Who was his teammate there? He had a teammate that got drafted later who was like an unathletic guy, a big, that was good. Uh, either way, I liked his teammate even more. And they sort of no-showed in the tournament. And I went, oh, Jalen Brown, this high is not a... Now I'm, I adore the player. He's great. Mm. But... Yeah, that was a tough, tough, tough help. And everyone's killing Missoula about the no timeout. That's fair. Uh, I also think if you've got, like, Jason Tatum. Yeah. Supposed to be one of the best scorers on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. You let him do it. But maybe if you're Jason Tatum also, you don't wait until <laughs> one second left. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, this is always a funny one to me. Is I know you want to get the last shot, right? But... Don't you think it's better to try to get into your action and potentially get the ball up with two seconds left and have to force the Sixers to make a shot with two seconds rather than literally let the ball leave your hand as the game clock expires where mm. you're forced into that decision yeah. and you make it so predictable where everyone can collapse to you because it's so late in the game that the, the entire defense can run yeah, over? You can't do anything else. Yeah, just... I, it, and also, is Missoula the type of guy that you really felt like he's going to call the timeout and draw up the amazing the play? <laughs> I would, perfect ATO. You know what I was think, actually thinking about it, uh, this morning when I was thinking about the Celtics was how whatever, whoever um, Ime Udoku slept with, right? Uh, we have some, like, conjecture on it, right? Right. Did that cost the Celtics the championship? <laughs> like, is that, is that... I was not expecting that, that to like, be the take today. Like, if, I wish you could have told them, like, freeze time. Because... We've all had regrettable, I believe, uh, sexual experiences, right? We've all woken up and gone like, whoops, <laughs> probably uh. shouldn't have done that. Probably, nah, <laughs> some shame. 
I wonder if he ever looks at it and goes, man, I know I broke up a family, but also I feel bad for Boston that I maybe cost them a championship. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're just not going to get rings. That's a tough one. Oh, anyway, let's talk about the Nuggets because that's the most relevant series. I, I do feel like whoever wins that series is going to win the NBA championship. Yeah, I'm with you. Mm. Great series so far. Tied at two. Denver won the first two. Phoenix won the, the last two. But there's the spiciest thing of it was the Nik- Nikola Jokic versus Matt Ishbia thing. Yeah. What are your thoughts here? I mean, it was a weird situation. It should be like holding on to the ball. Jokic rips it from him, k- kind of pushes him. I, I, I think it should be a sold the flop. Yeah. Thing. Like he flies back into his chair. Like, yeah, Jokic gives him a bit of contact, but then it should be, it goes like six feet backwards. I'm like, oh my goodness, you get, did you get shot? Like what's going mm-hmm. on? So this to me is just, I get it. I understand why it's a big story. It's the owner of the Suns, the new sexy owner. I think he's the... Talk of the town, right? Yeah, yeah, this guy yeah. is Mr. Cool. He's it's a self-made got some, man, like, and I played hoops. Oh, yeah. yeah, big time. He <laughs> traded for KD. went all in. It just, he did yeah. the thing with the RSNs yeah. and putting the suns on them. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> this is one of those things where I look at it and go, I understand why this is a big story. It's definitely a something. Of course, it's a point of conversation. But the extremes on every side, to me, are so nuts. Yeah. People are looking at this trying to letter the lot. And do the same thing that happened to the Phoenix Suns against the Spurs, where Come Amari, bench, yeah, and... where Amari and Boris Diaw came off the bench and they suspended them. And David Stern made a huge mistake, in my opinion, doing yep. that. Like it just it changed the series, and it was a big L for the product. And yeah, it was obviously still not far removed enough from Ron Artest and wanting no melees and making sure that players just do not put each other in harm's way. That mm. that brawls don't start. The NBA has had. It's so funny looking back on the sport because it actually used to be a big time fight league. Guys would fight all the time. Mm-hmm. You can go online and find vicious NBA fights yeah. and you go, well, why is the NBA not like hockey? It's like, well, in hockey, they're wearing, you know, protective equipment and they're on skates and they're mostly just kind of wrestling and balancing and they're throwing haymakers and punches. You Kareem see, knocks someone out. Buddy, if you want to <laughs> see some, like some, someone almost died. Kermit Washington hit Rudy Tomjanovich once. The mm. former head coach, some right. people might know him, of the Houston Rockets, so hard that it fractured his skull. He almost died. If you think, like, I don't know if you've ever watched the show Shaq Verse, and I know that Shaq and Charles and whatever, these guys have taken swings at each other, and none of them know how to punch, like, during their careers, right? And they're usually making these crazy swings. But if you've seen Shaq Verse, you know that he did one episode where he was boxing, I want to say, with Roy Jones Jr., someone of that ilk. Anyways, Roy Jones, much better boxer, obviously. And he's not really trying, but if Shaq lands a little bit of a jab, whatever, it clearly stops this person. Like, you know, a professional boxer essentially in their tracks is throwing a jab. Mm-hmm. If Alonzo Mourning punches you flush, you can die. You're, yeah. Like, yes, this is not a uh, six foot three, you know, Ryan Reeves who's strong as hell hitting somebody. No, these are monster human beings that if they connect with their weight, mass, muscle, like you can die. The yeah. NBA is very, very, very much not wanting their league to ever devolve into fighting again. It can be an absolute disaster for them. Um, I don't care who it was. It was Oscar De La Hoya. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I, there you go. <laughs> I got, you gotta love that. Just powered right through it. Sorry. First of all, he answered the question on the, before me. He's like, well, Simon, let me jump in here before JD. Let my well, Simon looked at me, so I thought he was asking me. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. He's like, I'm powered through it. I'll let you know. Anyway, Sorry, yeah, Oscar De La Hoya, right? So they got to make sure that there's no fighting in the league. I get that. They got to be very, very strict with it. If you're Matt Ishbia, 
I can't say what I the joke I wanted to say here, so I'm trying to recalibrate. <laughs> Reword it. If Reword you it. fight for Jokic to be suspended, oh, you're a clown. You you mm. got you are lame. You're yeah. it's like the worst owners ever will be Donald Sterling for what, and then you're next. <laughs> like you, you jumped the queue over so many bad owners. Went right to silver medal. Dude, you can't, oh my goodness. you can't do that. You can't ask for him. So, but I'm saying the people that are the letter of the law are like, does Jokic go into the stands? Because this is the thing, right? It's our test. They're trying to play like the, our yeah. test card of, yeah. as though this guy did something that they really, Oh, you can't have players running up to fans and grabbing the basketball. I actually think what Jokic does is kind of dumb. Just, sure. When he runs up to Ishbia and grabs the basketball, it's just an unnecessary interaction. And, yeah. and I could definitely see him getting fined for it because it's just dumb. He's clearly running super hot in the game because he's Jokic and he, he runs hot. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like yes. Jokic, if there's a guy who cares, it's him. By the way, another lesson for the Leafs. It's just, exactly. hey, look, it's a must-win game for the Suns and the Nuggets, and guess who showed up? All the best guys. <laughs> Durant was amazing, Booker was amazing, and Jokic was amazing, yelling at his teammates. Could you imagine Austin Matthews yelling at his teammates like that? Honest yeah. to God. Like, the way that Jokic was at his teammates, just berating them I'd be, I'd to be, be better. To yeah, I know, but <laughs> that's it. It's just instead, he's out there, he's like slumping on the bench, he's like <sighs> staring forward, like, it's tough. God, <laughs> so hard it's how they want us there. to be good every <laughs> game. That's... <laughs> So lame of them. <laughs> I wonder what Beebs is doing later tonight. Anyway, um, Jokic is dumb for running up to Ishbia and grabbing the basketball with the aggressiveness that he does. Ishbia has his former basketball player instinct, I think, kick in where he doesn't want to give the ball up and you go, hey, hey, you're not a player. You're not in the game, man. You're not yeah. in the game. You don't have a jersey on, man. <laughs> like, That's, yeah, it's dumb on both sides. But yeah. Ishbia, like, what are you doing? No, for man? sure. By the way, did you guys hear Mike Malone after? Yeah, that was the best quote. That was the best. He just so he he's like the fan needs to give the ball up. And then some reporter pipes up and he's like, that's actually the son's owner, Matt Ishbia. And he just goes, I don't give a shit. (laughs) 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 You got to bleep that Austin, but it's so good. Like he just like and he says it's stone cold. And I went, you can cross off the Suns as ever being a destination for (laughs) Mike Malone. Malone, But still, what a way to back your guy. And I love I went Raptors do whatever it takes to get Mike Malone in here. (laughs) This guy got the most out of Boogie Cousins and is calling out NBA owners. You already poached Masai from the Suns. Now go get a coach from, or sorry, from the uh, the Nuggets. Go get a the coach from the Nuggets. So Ishbia, he should just give the ball up, obviously, <laughs> but he goes into that mode. Where I actually am a little annoyed is the Jobo take, where he's like, oh, and Ishbia flopped. I'm like, Nikolai Jokic is seven feet tall, yeah. and Ishbia is an old man who is half his size, who's got his legs up against a chair. Like, First of all, if I put you in that position where your legs are up against a chair like that and I push you, you're going to sit down in the chair. And he's got his arms wide open. Like, he's like, what the hell? Like, his arms are... That's just, like, kind of a human reaction. I I don't... If he would... To me, the sell job would have been if he called somebody over, right? To, like, look at him. To do one Uh, of those. To try to... To you embellish got, the effect of you got yoga. the medics coming over. Yeah, yeah. That's what remember when Rodman kicked the yeah cameraman ca- exactly. And all of a sudden he was getting stretchered. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's what I'm talking about. Or like the guy Devonte Adams pushed right. Yeah, He's yeah, going. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. just sue you for everything you got, Devonte <laughs> Adams. And you go, come on, man. He pushed you, and it's lame that yeah. he did that. But can we live in a society where that's not 
what you're trying to make it into. Anyway, whatever. Uh, the Rodman kick is so much worse because he just looks at the guy, <laughs> boots him so hard. It's such That's a, a great clip. But he just loads it up too. Like Rodman just looks at him and he identifies. Like the, the Adams, look on the cameraman too is yeah, dynamite. <laughs> like the Adams, it's just a push, right? Like a guy kind of gets in your way and you're like. It's like a physical reaction. You're like, you screw kinda... this guy, get out of my way, right? Jokic kind of shoving Ishbia is, again, more of a human nature thing where he's in a crowd. You're getting a little too close to me. I'm Nikolai Jokic. I'm pushing you away. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, Jokic did the exact same thing, too, in the postgame where he went, I thought they were going to protect the players. I was supposed to protecting the players. And I get the angle that he's trying to play up here. Yeah. But also, I was like, dude, <laughs> you went in there and you're Nikolai Jokic. If a tiny little Matt Ishbia barely grazes you when you initiate the contact... You can't go, I thought, where's our protection? Like, what do you want? The SWAT team to drop into the roof and club them out? What were you looking what were you looking for in that situation in terms of your protection? You run in up to him and grab the basketball yeah. unnecessarily. So I just think it was lame. The the bigger controversy from that game to me is DeAndre Ayton grabbing the shoulder of Jokic for a jump ball in a three point game mm-hmm. and getting clean away with yeah. it. How do you miss hey, that? Sometimes when you cheat, you know, sometimes you take the risk to cheat and it just works. Okay. But also though, if, if, if you gave me, if you were like, Hey, Bunkus, um, you get one center to pick, to win a jump ball and one center to lose a jump ball, <laughs> you know, but they both got to be footers. I'd be like, well, Aiton and Jokic. <laughs> it's the most unnecessary cheat by Aiton. Such a risky maneuver. So anyway, I just, that that was good. I'm so choked that I missed a, you know, good portion of that game. And I at least mm-hmm. got to catch the end, but man, that, yeah, if you're basically on one side of the aisle or the other when it comes to the Ishbia Jokic thing of calling for a suspension, if you want him suspended, you're the biggest nerd yeah, ever. Yeah, that sucks. Like that's, if you're a Suns that fan, that sucks. I, and I know that uh, like Leaf fans, I was saying that Bennett should get suspended. That's a repeat offender who gave somebody a concussion and then cross-checked the guy in the face. Okay? Well, it's like the same when people about yeah. this about this thing were like, "Oh man, can you imagine if that was Draymond?" Like, yeah, if it was yeah. Draymond, he'd get yeah. suspended because Draymond has done crazy stuff all over, yeah. like all over the place. That's <laughs> but a different. You yeah. can't just move, like that's Green. a different thing. Just don't don't suspend Jokic and don't pretend like Ishbia did something that was so aggressively bad or. The real yeah, thing for just, me is like, has now has Ishbia made enemies with the Jokic brothers? Because that's tough. Because those guys, we, we know the Morris brothers are already on the list. Guys seem crazy. Yeah, showing yeah. up to the games and stuff. I think the Jokic brothers are two of the scariest that's what dudes I mean. ever. But <laughs> no, but yeah, they're horrifying. Yeah, how much money makes you feel safe? I guess is the real yeah, question. Good yeah, good point. How much money makes you feel there's safe? There's certainly a Here's, number. I don't know what the number is, but there's yeah. certainly a number. So clearly, those guys wouldn't do anything. But if I was Ishbi and I had the amount of money that he does, where you can buy the Phoenix Suns for billions, mm. I'd want to know where those guys are. Just have eyes on them guys. at when some I, point. When, when I'm like waking up that morning. And I'm like, I've got my security detail. I'd like them to be aware of the <laughs> location. Do we know where they are? Yeah, of those guys. So quick rapid fire. You think the winner of Nuggets Suns wins the championship? Yeah, the only other oh, team. I think. I think it's. I think to me, given that the Suns have home court, I would go. Or sorry, that the Nuggets, Nuggets have home yeah. court. I would go Nuggets one. Celtics two, Suns three. Okay. Mm. So you've got the Celtics I, winning that series. Who you got winning Heat next? 
here the heat, but here's the thing. It's completely irrelevant because there's just a 0% chance that one of those teams is going to win the title barring the, the only hope is Jimmy Butler just going into turbo mode for four rounds, which I guess is a possibility. So, but <laughs> sure I'll, looks like it's a possibility. I'll, I'll take the heat. I just, the Knicks are, the Knicks fans are, I know not, they're not where the Leaf fans are. They're not nearly as dejected, mm-hmm. but they have to be feeling this a little bit of the Brunson thing mm. of just, Hey, what are you getting here? And yeah. Randall, what are you getting here? Yeah. And you know, not gonna they've been hurting quickly, right? Is another guy oh, where yeah, they went, Oh, he's ghost. sick. We love quickly. And now what's his points on Botano tonight? It was quickly. seven and a half for the yeah. last game. And that's the thing is you would have shown me that when the playoffs started and you go, yo, you can get quickly at seven and a half points. I'd have been like, boys, we are dumb. <laughs> yeah. We are, we are throwing some yeah. money in on this and we're going to ride quickly. He's definitely gonna be a part of the series. He's just, it's just a, yeah. I, I did have a Knicks fan buddy who was texting me going into, to round two being like the path to the finals is here. We yeah. beat the we beat the Heat like we and then no you know, and they the, they played the Celtics really well so that's I could the see thing. I could see how it, it, it the feels vibes that are way. different with him now after yeah. a couple of games into this series I'll yeah, say but that but that's the thing that's how you feel about it if you're a Leaf fan I, these two fan bases are just connected and there's just something between them yeah. in terms of the, Knicks and the, the passion of the fans and just the inability of their team to put together a winner. It's only the Leafs had like a side talk video like the Knicks did. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they kind of did. And it turned into, we want Florida. <laughs> right, and right, it was, right. It was now and going now to be bad. an embarrassing. Yeah. You think that that's going to go away? Like, yeah, no, I'm sure it'll be just fine. <laughs> it's the worst too, because those are just teenagers having fun. Yeah. It's just but kids celebrating a win. I know, like, but I know you guys, and here's the thing. I, I said it, got to forgive the ghosts and got to do the things now as an old, you know, old timer. Yeah. Mm. Old and wise. Yeah, just old. <laughs> yeah, like, you're not I old. I hate you idiot youths for doing that. <laughs> I wish I could have gone down there and just, you know. I told you to do least talk from the square. Yeah, another bad idea from yeah. the youths. <laughs> Congrats. Uh, last, last one, yeah. Lakers Warriors. Who you got winning that one? Just so mm. we got your predictions for everything. It's just, the, the Warriors are so bad on the road. It's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> It, it it yeah, like the Lakers. That's what I was saying about LeBron getting that first game. Yeah, I think it was huge. I think yeah, yeah I think that's and right. Just being able to steal back home court from them. Mm-hmm. Like, do I trust the Warriors to be able to get? I think that there's some. It's it's almost there could be something poetic in the Lakers winning two straight home games, going up three one, and then Steph coming back on LeBron three mm. one. Mm. So I keep thinking about that, the potential of the the complete narrative flips or switch flip. But ultimately I do, I do think that the Lakers have it because their presence inside and their ability to get to the basket is been trouble for the Warriors. And it just, it feels like golden state outside of Steph is such a mixed bag of what are you getting tonight? Who's the other guy? Like clay can have his one or two games left, but he's just clearly not the guy that he used to be Mm -hmm. pool inconsistent. Well, yeah. Pool is gone. And Jeez. Yeah. yeah. And even watching last night or sorry, uh, the other day pool just, he's, he's clearly lost all his confidence and he, yeah. he took it on the chin, yeah. not from Draymond from the media when it came to the, the shooting performances that he had at yeah. the end there. So I was like, yeah, it's, he just doesn't seem all the way there. Yeah. And then Wiggins is fine, but if he's your number two scorer, it's not going to work out. And then mm-hmm. you've got the Draymond passing. It just, they're missing another guy to yeah, create for them right now, which is shocking because they paid Poole all that money yeah. mm-hmm. to be the other creator. And he's and like just not none there. None of those draft picks yeah. have turned into much. You know and, what I mean? Like and, Moody's okay. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. <laughs> Wiseman's and, not even there anymore. No, that's, 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 <laughs> they don't play him in any meaningful that's, minutes. That's it. Yeah. It's just I like 
the Lakers, LeBron doesn't have to be Superman LeBron all the time. Mm -hmm. AD can kind of be the guy. I think he knows that, that empowering Anthony Davis is the main thing. Yeah, yeah. And then LeBron will turn it on for the minutes that he needs to. Yeah. But then just, they can get some offensive creation and buckets from D'Angelo Russell, especially Mm -hmm. at home. He had had another good game. Yeah. They can get something from Reeves. They can get some good defense from Vanderbilt. They just feel actually more reliable, which is strange considering that it's the Golden State Warriors. Anyway, I just, I, I like the Lakers in that series. I like a Lakers Nuggets final. Uh, and then, although it would be cool to have LeBron KD too, as just oh, a, that hey, would be these two cool. guys are going head to head. Do you think the Lakers have any shot at taking out either Denver or Phoenix? Yeah, well, absolutely. I think they have a shot. How much of a percentage would you give it? I don't know. They'd be a slight underdog. I don't mm-hmm. think it would be like a massive fave. The only issue yeah. is, is that, the later this thing goes, the harder it is to believe LeBron is going to hold up the same way. Like mm-hmm. he's already, he's already had a couple performances where you look at the shooting numbers for LeBron from three, right? It's just, there's, there's some telltale signs of this guy's not all the way there. And yeah. then you factor in the altitude and just the way Jokic is playing right now mm-hmm. and the way Booker and Durant Durant, that was the game. The scary thing about yesterday is it seems like Durant is finally starting with Chris Paul now out. Mm-hmm. It actually, you would think that it would have killed the Suns because you would have taken a depth piece off of their team yeah. when they already don't have any guys. Yeah. But the one good thing is this done is gone. Hey, okay. It's just, it's Booker and it's Durant. Yeah. Stop and one it. of these End guys. Of, yeah. These two guys are the best two of the best two scorers in the NBA. Yeah. Now one of the two of them is going to have the ball in their hand and it's not going to be through Chris. And there's not going to be any like Durant standing in the corner stuff or Booker. They're, they're on the ball. These yeah. two guys are here, and I it actually unlocks something. Boy, the Chris Paul contract isn't looking so good right now, and that's my boy. But, yeah, it's <laughs> not great that the Suns have a shot at winning a championship, and my thought is, boy, you know, Chris Paul is not being in this you game. Fine. Going to campaign and getting Terrence Ross finally a look. Anyway, uh, let's keep it moving. Let's do something fun before we close the show today. Do we have any more basketball? That's it, right? We, yeah. we, we have a bunch of uh, stuff, like, from the basketball weekend, sure, like what? Jared Vanderbilt's outfit, where he uh, <laughs> w- wore that outfit to uh, the pregame tunnel, mm-hmm. and then uh, an employee from Saks claimed that he bought it the, that day of and then returned it the next day, mm-hmm. $2,000 worth of clothes. Um, you ever pulled a Vanderbilt, bought something, and returned it the day after? Or <laughs> I don't have the spine. Yeah, oh, not, yeah. neither do I. I, I don't. And one of the things about being poor is that you don't want anybody to know. Hmm. And so returning something is an admission that you can't afford something. And so you like, this is why the poor stay poor and the rich stay rich. Right. Cause they're like, I don't care. I'll return this yeah. and whatever. Yeah. So you think I'm poor. I don't care. I'm going to go get into my Bugatti. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you think. Peasants, <laughs> the rest of us peasants. It's always so that's why one of my favorite funny things is when you go into uh, a, a shop, like even a nice men's clothing mm-hmm. store where you're putting on the clothes. Like it's not the owner that's helping you pick out the clothes. It's just some retail guy who's making less than you. Yeah. And yet you feel like he's judging you, right? <laughs> you're like, poof, got to impress this guy. This guy's <laughs> high class. Dude, I go to Nespresso sometimes to pick up capsules in uh, like, uh, what can, why am I blanking? I'm so half awake Yorkville? today. Yes, in Yorkville. Uh-huh. And I'll go in there. I'll talk to the Nespresso guy who's like making me a free coffee. And I'm like, hello, yeah. sir. You're in a suit. <laughs> hello, sir. Hello, sir. <laughs> Oh, please don't judge me. What, whatever you think is best, sir, for my coffee. End up going home with like hazelnut capsules. Yeah, it, it, it. Exactly. It just, it's, it's, it's just not at all you want. But when it comes to returning clothes, I just, I cannot, I can't do it. I can do it if it's online and they, this is the only way that I will return items. Free return where you just get, you put it back in the box yeah. and you go to a store and you print the label back out and, and they say it's free and they ship it back. Mm-hmm. That's it. 
I've I, I've done that before though, where I've ordered stuff from the states so stupidly, and you pay duties, oh. and then I've tried to return mm. that stuff, and you go back to the UPS, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna return this, and they go, yeah, it'll be hundred and eighty four dollars <laughs> for you to ship this, and you go, what? It's like a <laughs> tiny box with a T-shirt in it. They're like, yeah, you're stupidest guy ever. That's your shirt now. <laughs> and then you have to tell you them like, oh, actually, no, uh, I'm not returning this. It turns out, sorry for me filling out the paperwork <laughs> yeah. and wasting your time. Uh, it was a misunderstanding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the UPS guys thinking you're I'll, broke now. I guess I'll pay the twenty cents for you printing out that piece of paper for me. I'll see you later as I limp out of here embarrassed. <laughs> the thing about the Vanderbilt story that was weird to me too is like all these guys have stylus, you'd think. Yeah, except but I that's guess the Vanderbilt thing. just like went. No, no, no. And... That's the thing. The stylus probably returned it. Yeah. Yo, shout which out is, Amy which Mack. Is, imagine imagine Vanderbilt, like imagine going to your stylist and be like, hey, thanks for this. Now return it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like I'm telling you, there's uh Amy Mack is the one of the main stylists at Sportsnet. And her Instagram stories half the time is just her returning stuff that she's tried to buy for people as a stylist. And I feel for her deeply yeah. whenever I see them. Whenever I see those videos, I'm like, you know, to me, the, the scariest videos online are the cave crawler people right. that yes. try to crawl through caves. Yes. They're like, if you just pop your shoulder and you do the guinea pig roll, you can probably squeeze through I can't here feel so my that liver. you can see wet rock underground. Wet dark rock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you just... Push your body to the limits of claustrophobia. I saw one of those videos the other day, and I wanted to send it to you, and I'm like, JD's no, going to kill me sick. if I send They're it to sickening. him. They're <laughs> sickening videos. They're, They're going into, like, murderer's no, hole it's just, and stuff. It's a it's, sicko. Yeah. It's a, it, you're a sicko. If that, it, whatever that thing is that's inside you that makes you feel compelled <laughs> to squish yourself underground in wet little tunnels, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Agree. See, I'm sorry for the damage that has happened to you. <laughs> but then the other one is that is Amy Mack's Instagram stories where she has to bring back like 48 clothing items to a store. And you can tell that every person, because I've never worked retail before. I think, God, I got to think about that. No, I've never worked retail, Mm. but having to return items has to be hell. Yeah. Having the person show up and go, okay, so now we got to go through this. It's just not, it's not like beep, beep, give me the money. Well, they're they're always dealing with like three different receipts. It's it's a nightmare. It's awful. Anyway, I've never done what he's done because I don't have the spine to do it. Yeah, There's there's no, I can't, yeah, it's just not in me to do. I'm, (laughs) I'm the worst combination for this. Like I'm too lazy to go actually do it. I'm the type of idiot that will go, well, my time is worth something here. You know, like that's it's factor. And it's like, no, it's not bro. Anyway. Uh, what else? So the, the LeBron video about Steph Curry saying that he was going to be make it in the league when he watched him in college. That's resurfaced a lot during the series. Why do I care about this? Well, I'm saying, is there any player that you watched when they were younger and you said they were going to be big, even when your, your friends didn't believe you and you turned out to be right and you can stick it to all your friends. I can't like anybody that I would have seen young would have already been a, D1 college athlete. So the idea of me seeing a guy going like, I think he's going to make it. They're like, oh yeah, the starting point guard of Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) You think that he's got a shot to make it? Yeah. I've definitely had calls of guys that were going to have better careers. But to me, it's actually, this one works the other way where I remember more of the guys I didn't think were going to be studs who became studs. Mm. Like, or the guys I was wrong and thought would be studs and didn't like, I thought Derek Williams was really going to be one of the first like three and D NBA change the game forwards. I thought he was going to be just awesome. A guy yeah. who could bring the ball up, hit threes, play defense, be gritty. I, I just, I believed in Derek Williams. I thought Blaine Gabbert was going to be really good. Yeah. That's tough. Mm. That's a really tough one. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but I yeah, remember, like, I remember being in high yeah. school and like having debates with my buddies being like, he's the best quarterback in this class. Yeah. But like, this is kind of like, what kind of a sports fan goes, I knew that guy was going to be good. 
I, I feel like people, I, that's something I knew people Andrew Luck was going to be good. I, was, I saw Andrew Luck and I saw, yeah, he yeah. could be good. <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. I, I think that, you know, weirdly, I think some people sort of get some credit for guys like Russell Wilson, where it's like a third round pick and he's undersized. And I remember when he got drafted, there were a couple of Seahawks fans that were really stoked on him. Like, I remember there was a Gruden tape where he was all fired up going, Russell Wilson's going to be a star in this league. Remember, he famously got into it with Mel Kiper Jr. They were yelling mm. at each other. That kind of stuff, I think, counts. But still, again, it's we're talking about a player who was a Div 1 athlete, who was a quarterback who was clearly going to get drafted in the top Div 1 athlete in two sports. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, <laughs> it's 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 kind of hard to play this game. And it's like, unless you're, the only people that can really do this thing are guys that watch high school sports somewhere and go, oh, or, or identify players that weren't that great at college and say, no, mm-hmm. no, this guy is actually so much better than you think. Like, if you would have been someone who called Draymond Green, for example, it was like watching Michigan State games saying, this guy, he's not a tweener. He's a stud. Anywhere he goes, he's going to win. That's a good call for someone. Right. Right. But he, again, it's, he's at Michigan State. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in like a deep tournament run being yeah. the best player. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't know what the line is for this in terms of where I would have to identify the player. Right. Right. Like even one of my brother's favorite stories is he watched Taylor Hall in a championship game against one of his best friends. And he's like, yeah. Taylor Hall cooked my friend for four goals in a championship game. And he was incredible. You go, yeah, he was Taylor Hall at that point. He was on track to be the first overall pick. It's like, you didn't discover him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he was always going number yeah. one. I so. remember one year in uh, OBA provincials when I was in grade like eight, mm-hmm. we, uh, we went to see like a team in like tier one yeah. just to see like my coach was like, this will show you like what a, a top team is. And Steph Curry was like on that team. Nice. And this is like when, you know, I, how old are you in grade eight? 13, 13 13 12. 14 so like we couldn't shoot threes you know what i mean like no one yeah. on our kingston team had the upper body and like steph curry a tiny kid was just running off like multiple screens and checking up threes so i like to think that i discovered steph curry dude it's so funny <laughs> it's, it's so funny thinking about just basketball players at that time in canada obviously it's gotten way better and now we have prep schools yeah and, yeah, yeah. and you know just basketball is taking off in this country this was not way. that no i know but that's what i mean it's like Imagine being the coach of Vaughn when Wiggins was at the first practice and you were like, oh, my God. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. oh, my God. Or when you got the likes of a Pangos in high school or, you know, Steph Curry at that time in yeah. Canada being, like you said, every other kid is basically flubbing layup still. <laughs> Nobody's got a left hand. And yeah. Steph Curry's out there like drilling threes all over the floor and going, Dad, I need to play against better guys. Is there... <laughs> When do I play against, you know, you got to put me in on the Raptors to get a <laughs> game that I'm qualified for here. Just the level of jump that there mm-hmm. was in basketball in this country is hilarious. Like, I think even again, uh, of I, like I played in Ontario 3A school and we'd go down to, you know, Yasa and had like, you know, big tournaments against really good teams. Mm-hmm. And I think about some of the guys that I, I think of like, wow, man, that guy was so good. And how much better basically anybody in <laughs> high school basketball is now in Ontario than when I was playing it like over 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's pathetic. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's hard to believe how fast this thing. Yeah. Completely blew up here. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk about Matt Chapman? Yeah. I'll just quickly mention Matt Chapman. He had the quote. Yeah, so he had the quote he talked to Sports Illustrated, Mitch yeah. Bannon. Uh, he, when he was asked about a contract extension, he said, I know that both parties want to make something happen, but right now I'm focused on baseball and focused on winning. Yeah. If they want to talk, it's got to be with Scott, obviously yeah. referring to Scott Boris, his agent. What was your first reaction? Oh, my first reaction is um, 
I don't think that he's saying this unless he's kind of unhappy with it. And he also recognizes that he's off to a toward start and he mm-hmm. wants to like, this is a good point in time. Mike, here's the thing. He's probably not saying anything without Boris's approval on this. And I could have seen a scenario where Boris is puppet mastering this thing going, dude, you're so red hot. This team is in a spot where you're hitting in the middle of the lineup. You're one of their best, most reliable bats. Mm-hmm. You're clearly going to cool off here. Why not at sort of the peak of your starting value, say something about the contract. Yeah, let's get a little something out there. Yeah. Let's yeah. get, let's get a little tasty morsel out here to remind everybody that Matt Chapman's bat is going to be available. And yeah, that they should be thinking about paying you. What I find fascinating about Chapman is that it's pretty clear. The Jays would love to pay uh, one of Bo or Vladdy. Mm-hmm. We don't yet know if it's clear they're going to open up the books and pay both of them. Right. True. I think it's pretty clear that they're going to try to pay Manoa, even though the more we learn about starting pitchers is paying them is kind of dumb. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just, it's hard to have them look good. Those contracts, but they still will. He's an identity player for the group. Yeah. Barring an injury. I think that he'll get a pretty decent size contract with Jace might even happen sooner than you think. Mm. Um, Chapman falls into the super interesting category of, okay, where is your financial commitment to this group? Like, are you going to continue to try to var show this thing where you trade prospects for, you know, above average players that have control and are cheap? Are you going to try more Kiermaier stuff where you're signing those kind of free agents and the belts of the world where you're, you're getting the fringier, you know, let's say third tier free agents. As much mm-hmm. as I've liked Kiermaier, these guys are not, these, these weren't the bell of the ball as <laughs> Michael Scott would say. Uh, or are you going to try to splash some cash around and be willing to take shots on these type of free agents who are the older guys mm-hmm. who clearly are so much better than anything that you can replace them with, but might tie you up financially. Like that's what they mm-hmm. were doing with Springer and Ryu, but that's when all the guys were on the rookie deals. Right. right? So where, where does the financial commitment go? How much of the season affects that? I think that's going to be a pretty interesting question moving forward. But I, I think the writing's kind of on the wall with it to me anyways, that mm-hmm. Chapman's not coming back. Because his money is going to end up being too much. It's going to be 31 next year. And the Jays just, it, it's kind of like the situation the Leafs were in, which is annoying with Dubas and it's like Nylander went first and they always say like, get your best players done before. Mm. It's hard to give Matt Chapman a contract before you have long-term extensions with Vladdy and Bo. And so I don't know how that works out. And yeah. Are you going to tell your fan base that maybe even if it's not true, that Matt Chapman has a big contract and then Bo Bichette walks and what's people going to say? Mm-hmm. They're going to say, oh, you could have used the money from Chapman to give to Bo, even if they're not even related. So right. I just think it's a really tough spot. But mm-hmm. it would. But if you're asking me what the big league move is yeah. to be the real big league contender, we're in the AL East and we're doing things differently around here, blah, blah, blah. It would be to give Matt Chapman money. Yeah. That would be the real signifier of doing big boy things, even though you know you're going to get bit in the ass in the back end of it, because that's what free agency is. You're never signing a contract hoping that you get all the years of it. Yeah. Might I remind people of the Russell Martin contract, which most people were like, it was like, that's the best contract the Jays ever had. He had two years of that deal that were just like, oh, <laughs> his last year here, he got out hit by Luke Maley. Oh. Yeah. And you do that contract a zillion out of a zillion times. Yeah. There's not one parallel universe where you go, Oh, well, the Russell Martin contract. No, shut up. <laughs> Boom. Jail. <laughs> Prison. Life. Anyway. Go on. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Go to jail. Anyway, all right, let's wrap this up. I'm too sad.
We'll be back tomorrow for more yeah. post-mortem stuff. And I don't know. God, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> what a way to end the show. Yeah, subscribe to the podcast. I don't care. Uh, do whatever. Share it. Share it. Do whatever you want to do. Great. Way to go, Core 4. <laughs>